Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. This podcast explores all the things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, 3 years ago, or yesterday. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am less than the actions I take. This is a phrase that I first heard in a talk given by Earl Hightower. And the phrase made such an impression on me because I think it highlights something that we often feel but don't have words for. So when I heard him say, I am less than the actions I take, what it made me think about was the lack of alignment between people's thoughts and their actions, the inconsistency in how we perceive ourselves and everyone else, and the importance of perspective in relationships, in dynamics, and how it far outweighs perception. To me, it also highlights the importance of sincerity. And I know that I am being my most sincere self when my thoughts and feelings are in alignment with my actions. Now, often when I talk about this phrase, I am less than the actions I take, people misinterpret it. And I get that because we are encouraged to always lead with bravado and optimism and patting ourselves on the back for everything we do. So when something comes up along the lines of, I am less than, it really makes us pause and check in with ourselves. Does this feel right? Does this feel correct? But the reason that phrase is so impactful is that it encourages us to look at what we are actually doing, our consistent actions, our behaviors, our choices in those moments about where we are directing our energy, our time, our efforts, instead of spending so much time trapped in our own minds, our own heads, our own ego, constantly telling ourselves about what our intentions are versus what we actually do. Another reason that this phrase is so important is that it's an invitation to separate ourselves a little bit from the stories that we compulsively tell ourselves. And even me saying that may make you feel some type of way. You might think, I'm not telling myself a story. It's just my inner monologue. It's just me processing. It's just me thinking. But when we bring some attention to that area of our lives, to our thoughts, to the impact and the effect that it has on what we actually end up doing, it allows us to have a greater understanding of those stories, of our stories, of who's the narrator, of what has actually influenced those stories throughout our lives and where they have harmed us instead of helped us. Maybe it also offers us the ability to have some signposts to check in with ourselves and say, oh, I'm entering dangerous territory again, where I am justifying my thoughts, my feelings, my actions, my justified anger, and my justified resentment, when I allow myself these little treats of misbehavior or distorted thinking or making up a story about someone else and making them evil or less than me 
or an out-of-control monster in the story, and I absolve myself from the opportunity to check in with myself on a regular basis as a muscle memory, as something I do often, not just in moments when I thought I've done something wrong, but always in every interaction to check in with ourselves and say, what was my part in it? What did I bring to this situation? How did I encourage this outcome? Is there anything I could have done differently? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it's funny because even the idea of asking ourselves those questions are very controversial. So I always like to pause when I talk about that and explain because I've often heard feedback from people saying, why would I ask myself what I contributed to this situation when I know I did nothing wrong? And that is such a valid question. And I'm actually glad that people bring it up. My point in saying that we get into the regular habit of asking ourselves these questions is that sometimes the answer is you did not do anything to contribute to this situation. You did not do anything to exacerbate it. But the purpose of asking ourselves these questions is to strengthen our discernment, to strengthen our ability to identify ownership over what is ours and what belongs to someone else. So if the only time I ask myself this question is moments when I think I might be guilty of something or I think I'm completely responsible for something, I will not get into the habit of taking responsibility for my part in things, even if that part is just 1%. So how does that connect with this phrase, I am less than the actions I take? Because very often when we are assessing situations, we are checking in with how we felt in the moment, the thoughts that we had in the moment. And we are not clearly assessing what we actually said and did in the moment. So I want you to pause right now. And I want you to think about the last altercation or conflict that you had with someone. And instead of focusing on your feelings in the moment or the thoughts that were racing through your mind, I'm going to encourage you to pay attention to what you actually said and did in the moment. What was your body language? What were your words? What actions did you take? And as we do this and we begin to take an inventory of some of our greatest conflicts and we do not descend into that space where we get caught up in our thoughts and our feelings and we only focus on the actions that we took, it offers us a different perspective. This is not about shaming or weaponizing or punishing. It's actually about freedom, the freedom to make different decisions to show up in a new way, to implement different emotional tools. 
And if we never check in with ourselves, if we never ask ourselves, is there anything I could have done differently, we will never learn. So this is one of those powerful tools in your toolkit, and it can apply in so many different situations. So I think it's really helpful, and I often hear from all of you that it's very helpful when we process this in different areas of our lives. So when I go through these examples, I tend to begin with relationships because I feel like that's the area where people find the most relatability. So let's give some examples about personal relationships and our actions. An example of this could be where someone in a couple or partnership is expressing their wants and their needs, and they're asking for something from their partner, and their partner agrees and says, yes, I will absolutely do that. But when it comes down to the moment when they are asked to implement some type of change in their behavior or their response, they don't. And then there's this strange resentment that comes up in both parties, right? So the person who asked for the changed behavior feels a little resentful because you told me you would do this thing, and now in the moment, you're not. And the person who said that they would change feels resentful as well because here they have been caught. They made the emotional commitment, see, didn't I say I would do it? And then in the moment they can say, well, I feel like I'm being controlled because you're demanding something of me. So in that situation, each party begins to develop a story about the other person. And it gets really confusing. I mean, we're flawed human beings. Our minds take over when our bodies could probably just do the footwork. But our minds are telling us, oh, you're controlling me. You're ordering me around. You're nagging me. I'm just going to take some of this time real estate or energetic real estate back and I'm not going to do the thing when you ask me to do it. And in that situation, I would ask that person, are you currently less than the actions you take? Because in your mind, you're saying, well, I agreed to all these things. I'm such a good partner. I said I would make these changes. But what happens in the moment? This can happen in work environments as well. I think very often we are seeing big corporations, small corporations, nonprofit organizations, governments talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're talking about gender bias. We're talking about discrimination. All of these things that when they come up, they instantly make us feel like I am a good person or I am a bad person. And it absolves us from the actual footwork in the actual moments when we are called to show up and put action behind our words. So it's very easy to say, of course, I don't agree with gender bias and discrimination in the workplace. I think most of us would agree with that. But what does it look like when it actually happens? Have you ever actually been in a situation where you had to step into a conflict or make a change and you have been overwhelmed by the fear, the insecurity, the discomfort, the unknown consequences of actually doing something in that situation? And what it makes me think about is our principles. So often we align with our principles, this idea of who we would be in conflict, of 
who we would be in a moment of discrimination and of bias and racism and prejudice, how we would show up. We have this image of ourselves, but the reality is our principles aren't principles if they haven't cost us anything. And if they always happen to be working out in our favor every single time, then maybe they're not principles. Maybe they are convenient. Maybe we are simply patting ourselves on the back. And if we don't ever find ourselves showing up in situations where our principles are challenged, where we have to take an action in a moment of discomfort, that sounds pretty convenient. And so I'm tying this back into those workplace situations where is it your principle if you've never had to speak up in those moments? I mentioned that we often hear about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that sounds amazing. That is so important. It's one of the foundational aspects of any organization or corporation. But if we are not putting this to the test, if we are not taking action in those uncomfortable moments when we have to lean into the unknown of how someone else will respond to us, are these our principles or are they simply convenient talking points? It's amazing to learn about these things and to align with them and know that you feel them in your heart. I think that that's wonderful. I'm not diminishing that. But when an employee comes to you and expresses their discomfort over something that was said, something that was done, the way that they're being treated, I think it reveals to us that this is one of those moments where we are less than the actions we take. It is uncomfortable to surface these things to management, to the decision makers, to express this imperfectly, but those moments are calling us in to use our voice, to use our discernment, and to actually act on our principles. Because if our principles are, I'm a good person and everyone else is bad, what does that actually look like when we are called to suit up and show up? And I'm not sharing this so that anyone feels bad about themselves, but I'm inviting us to look at ourselves in a new light, to constantly invite ourselves to check in, are my actions in alignment with my thoughts, and why am I giving so much power to what I think and how I feel and how I feel about myself, and how often am I dismissing my everyday acts, because we can tell ourselves that these things don't really matter what we do, because our inner voice is so loud. So that is something that I would just encourage you this week to check in with yourself about. Take a look at the different areas of your life, maybe the different relationships, and ask yourself, am I constantly overwhelmed and overstimulated by what I think about myself? And if I could only judge my character based on what I did in those moments, those critical crisis moments or those everyday moments, how would I judge and perceive myself? Would I be proud of myself? Would I trust myself? Would I feel safe with myself? And the answers to those questions belong to you. And the actions you take after them also belong to you. I think it can be very disempowering to constantly punish ourselves when we find something we don't like. 
I think it's actually far more motivating to find something that we aspire to and to find building blocks that can lead us to that. So if we're saying I'm less than the actions I take, how can I increase my esteem building actions throughout the day where I can build trust and faith with myself, where I can build connection, where I can build authenticity and honesty? What do those look like? In the simplest terms, it can be doing what I said I would do the way I said I would do it, when I said I would do it, with the people I said I would do it with. And if my actions and my thoughts and my feelings are not in alignment with that statement, it's really an area for me to grow and learn. Well, I hope this discussion resonated with you, and I also hope that it inspires conversation in your own life. Whether that is at work, whether that's in your family of origin, or in your partnership. And remember, it's very easy to weaponize any of these concepts, to use them to punish and judge other people. But I think the far more intelligent and elegant way of using these is to make those changes within ourselves, and to inspire change by attraction, not promotion by living the way we said we would live and doing so consistently. Until next time, please make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Maybe take a moment to like, rate, or review this podcast. And thank you again for listening to Love Letters and Mixtapes.